As I said, um, Bo and, and his wife Jackie are going to share with us. You may recognize Bo. He and Jackie have been here a few times over the course of the spring and the summer summertime here in the fall. So uh, they've been with us a few times. Um, the DeSosa family, I don't know. I got a chance to uh, uh, talk to Jocelyn a little bit on the phone, but um, met Eduardo this morning and we have had uh, a couple of people come to us and say this would really be a, a great time for the church. So we want to um, just give them a very, very warm welcome, Eduardo and uh, Jocelyn, if you'd like to come up and uh, get us started along with their families. So we'll give you that microphone, and there's another one here. Boy, do I have to have mics for all of you? Maybe not. Hello? Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I think I want to say thank you to Pastor Tim for allowing us to be here today and the elders of this church. This is our family. We have four children. And now we, when we went to Angola, we have four children. Now we have five children. One son is in Angola right now. So this is your family. These guys can sit down now. So, so we have a, a, presence, a presentation. We're going to talk about what we are doing in Angola. I'm a physician. Jocelyn is a nurse practitioner. God called us to go and serve in Angola, Africa. So I would like to pray before we start. So, Father God, we trust you. You trust you that you are our king. We are here because we love you, Jesus. You are the reason that you brought us to serve in, in Africa. And you are the reason that we're going to share about you again. This is about glorifying your name, not our names. And help us to be captive through your Holy Spirit to listen to what you have for your hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So you guys met our family. I don't know if I'm, am I too loud? <laughs> All right. If it is, just no problem. So this is the country that we're serving. You can see next. Uh, slide. There you go. This is your family again. That's our Angolan son that we adopted there from your hearts. Not legally because it's almost impossible to adopt a kid in Angola. Next. So that's the African continent. Africa got 53 countries. So the country that we are serving is that country. That's the flag of the country. Seeing that flag, I don't have to say a lot of things about it, right? You understand those symbols in that flag are not good symbols. So God called us to serve in Angola. Next. So we've spent the last two years in Angola. Um, and it, the really wonderful thing about Angola for us is it's Portuguese speaking. Portuguese is Eduardo's first language. That's why I have this funny accent. <laughs> and I've spoken Not the Portuguese. Minnesota accent. Yeah, don't you know? <laughs> So I tell my Angolan friends, in the creation days, I tell them, you just don't tell them that I tell them that, that God spent more time in Angola. I don't know if you can go to the back slide, the previous slide. God spent more time in the creation days in Angola than in other places. It's a gorgeous country, but I always tell them. They don't know that America is beautiful also, right? So in other nations too. So it's a gorgeous country. You, get, you can see God's hands on that nation and their nature 
and the ocean and the rivers and the waterfalls and the, and the fields. It's an amazing, amazing country. This is our friends from Minnesota, from this community that went to visit us over there, some of them. Next. And you can see the beautiful, you know, the scenery, it's amazing. Next. So also is the country of many, 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 many needs. People in Angola live with less than $2 in a day. Can you imagine a family of 10 people living with less than 2 bucks in a day? So it's really hard. It's hard because the country went through a war that lasts more than 40 years. Jocelyn can share a little bit about that. So Angola was a colony of Portugal, and then in 1961 they began a war with Portugal and kicked Portugal out by 1975, but they were at war all that time. And then as soon as Portugal was gone, a civil war began. So a war, there was war total from 1961 all the way to 2002. So more than 40 years of war, if you can imagine what that would do to a country. And um, so Angola is actually, some of the things it's known for, it has the highest number of landmines in the world of any country and the highest number of landmine injuries. Um, it has one of the highest infant mortality rates in the whole world. Um, if you can imagine what 40 years of war would do to a country, it destroyed their education system, it destroyed the infrastructure of cities, um, it destroyed just, you know, no clean water, even in large cities, no clean water, electricity is sporadic. And the fabric of the medical system was destroyed. Can you imagine? You lost two generations. You lost all the carpenters, you lost all the pastors, you lost all the doctors, you lost all the nurses, and now you have to rebuild a nation. And on the top of that, we have the malaria problem. Thousands of people die from malaria every year in Angola. Just because a mosquito that bites people and people get sick and they die. Some die, some, they li some live. So you see you the destruction. Next. If you can imagine, we live in a sinful world where not all leaders are wanting the best for their nation either. So corruption on top of all of that makes a big mess. So those are not pictures that I got on Google that I brought here to impress you. Those are my pictures from patients that we saw. That little girl, the biggest problem in Angola is malnutrition. So if you can live only with two bucks in a day, and the staple there, the food, the main food there is corn, corn, and corn. Jocelyn can talk about that. So they eat for lunch and supper. Most of the poor families don't have any breakfast. For lunch and supper, they eat like a cornmeal, kind of like grits. And sometimes they'll have a little bit of beans on the side or a little bit of dehydrated fish on the side. But their main staple is this bowl of grits. And can you imagine little children, pregnant women, and elders, if they get a disease, their immune system is not as strong if you only eat corn and corn and corn. So then we have these problems. You have an open door for diseases such as malaria, malnutrition. In that case, uh, tuberculosis and malaria. And it's a recipe for disaster. I was born in Brazil. I know many countries in Latin America. There's poverty in Latin America. But I never saw a country so much poverty like Angola. Next. So these are neighbors. Those are children that live close to us where we live. So we were walking in a neighborhood, me and Jocelyn, and I saw the children playing. And I decided to take their picture. Look at their, how beautiful they are. And I took that picture and I amplified that picture to make big. You can see there how amazing, they're cre how creative they are. You see a flat screen TV. You see couches. You see a coffee table. 
You see their little rooms with their little pillows in their beds, and you see a kitchen with a stove and potato sacks and food and different divisions in many rooms in a house. My question is, do you think they live in a house like that? No, they don't, right? And this shows the heart of, this, of these children, the desire to have things that they never had in their life. And at the same time, teaches a lesson that we don't need so many toys or many things to be happy in life. So this is an amazing, amazing thing. Next. So these are the consequences of decades of war. Jossie can describe that quickly. So we talked about a lot of that. The healthcare infrastructure, education infrastructure destroyed. Missionaries were evacuated. A lot of work that had just started from missionary work um, was stopped. Thousands of people were displaced. People had to go to neighboring countries as refugees. Um, and this picture on the bottom, you can see the water. That's a regular city street. Our, the streets around where we lived became like that during rainy season. Rainy season. Um, and on top, you can see a mom. She had a landmine injury, missing a leg, with carrying things on her head, taking care of her toddler. So that's a very typical scene that Next. we would see every day. And this just shows, um, you can see Angola, the very dark country there, and then one other country has that same um, color, up, that's Guinea-Bissau up above. Those are the two countries that had the highest infant mortality rate in the world. It is a fact. If I have 10 children, four or five will die in a lifetime until the age of five. Unless you're a very rich Angolan, but for the general it is population, a fact. yeah. Next. So when God was leading us to go to Angola, this is what he put on our hearts, that these children are no less important or valuable to God than our own children. They have the same importance in his eyes. They were created in his image. And how can we, with the gifts that he's given us, the abilities that he's given us, the provision that he's given us, not do something about this problem? Next. So that's the city that we're serving for the last two years. It's a city of a million people. The name of the city is Lubango. If you can take a closer look, you're going to observe the majority of the roads are dirt roads. Can you imagine a city of a million people when you, have, you, don't, you do not have a very good sewer system where you have to boil your, your, boil your, your water every day or you're going to get sick and live in those conditions. So uh, we took some pictures of these tribal girls that live in that area. And also so only for the fun, you know, uh, they use a lot of motorcycles there. So because they're cheap, they're from China and from India. So you can see dad is driving a motorcycle, mom in the back, baby in the back, and you have 12 alive chickens probably going to the market, market to be sell. So it's an amazing thing you see their transportation there. Next. So those are our neighbors. Do you guys have neighbors? We have an ob obligation as Christians to share the love of Jesus to our neighbors, right? With our actions, with our words. So those are our neighbors. Aren't they beautiful? So some people come like that lady there. She's very concerned about her husband. I remember that day when she came in a consult room. They walked miles and miles and miles. Those people, they live in a desert. So they come sometimes walking 100 miles, 150 miles, just to receive medical care. Through the desert, no water over 100 degree heat, and then they have to climb the mountain at the end to get up to the hospital. So, and you see, they're beautiful. Children are beautiful. 
those little girls, they asked us if we could give them a ride. We said, why not? So we have four children, four, five, six. Then we start counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, plus us and plus our children. Thank God there is no safety <laughs> matters in Angola, car seats and all that stuff that we have in America. So we went for a ride. Praise God, we made it safely. So next. <laughs> so Victor. Victor is that man. He's a single dad. Those are his children, four children, beautiful children. So this Victor story. We are in a market. You guys know your flea market in town, right? So this market got more than a thousand people. So we moved to a house where we don't have furniture. So we need to buy couches and stuff for a house. We go to this market and this, we are walking. All of a sudden, Victor comes and talks to me. Hey, what do you guys need? I said, we need furniture. Okay, I sell furniture. African people don't care about very much if they're selling. They care about what you're doing. People are important for them. So we start talking to Victor, and Victor started listening to us. And we went to his store. We walk among a thousand people. And I start sharing my testimony, what Jesus had done in our lives. And Victor he starts crying. And he looks in my eyes, and he says, you know, I used to be a Christian. I have not talked to Jesus Christ for the last four years. I used to be with YWAM, and I, I don't walk with Jesus anymore. And today when I woke up in the morning and I asked God to speak to me through somebody. He said so, that was the first time he had spoken to God in four years. So and he said this morning I woke up and I fasted and prayed for God to speak to me. And God brought us our second week in Angola just to answer a prayer among a thousand people. I want to say that if you pray to God, God is listening to your prayers. And he's going to answer your prayers in his time. And it was wonderful. Victor is a good friend of us even today. He goes to church. Wonderful man of God. Next. And of course, we have to celebrate eating that wonderful food there. <laughs> Robert chicken. So we are serving in that hospital for the last two years, being Jocelyn and other missionaries. If you wonder where the money of Samaritan's Purse goes, goes in places like that. A uh, half of that the, of the construction of the, of the hospital was sponsored from Samaritan's Purse. Next. So We're going to share a few stories. Our time is short, so bear with, with us, please. So these are just a few highlights. With each one of these stories, there would be a, like 100 more stories we could tell, but we're just going to highlight a few. This is Pedro. This was about three weeks after we got to Angola. Pedro had, as a baby, he had hydrocephalus, so he had a shunt in his brain, and um, his shunt had gotten clogged, so he came to the hospital, and they had needed to replace the shunt in his brain. And it should have been a simple routine surgery, but something went wrong, and Pedro was bleeding and bleeding and bleeding, and they couldn't stop the bleeding. They had already given him the two units of blood that they had set aside for his surgery in case he needed it, and they couldn't stop the bleeding, and he was... He was about to die. So there is a surgeon. I am here in the operating room. The surgeon is there also. And all of a sudden, the surgeon says, stops. And we hear the noise of the machine that nobody likes to hear. Beep, the flat song. All of a sudden, that surgeon said, we need to pray that God will do something or this kid is going to die. When she finished prayer, that prayer, that life song came back. Beep, beep. So even in operating room, God is still answer our prayers. 
He is alive. So, and of course, God has a purpose in Pedro's life. So then Eduardo said, what, what's Pedro's blood type? And they told him, and it happened to be my blood type. And so he went and he got me and another missionary with the same blood type. We ran up and gave blood, and Pedro survived. And that was the beginning of me giving blood, like every two months to three months. <laughs> every time, it seems like everybody has my blood type. Anytime, that, any, anytime that Pedro's come to the hospital, everybody light up because they, everybody knows that was a miracle. Next. So this is Joaquina. Joaquina was, um, I ended up going up to the hospital on a Sunday afternoon. Eduardo was up there already. It was his weekend to work. And um, I was going to see a different patient, but I walked by Joaquina's bed. She was in what they call the ICU, where they have the sickest patients. And I looked at her, and she looked dead. I didn't know anything about her case, but she looked like she was dead. And her sister was sitting next to her. And as I walked by, I knew God was telling me, you need to pray for her. So I asked her sister, is it okay if we pray for her? And I called Eduardo over, and I said, I feel like we need to pray for her. And she, he said, yeah, we need to pray for her, because if God doesn't do something, I'll be signing a death certificate today. And he said that she had had uh, cerebral malaria and um, tuberculosis meningitis, which are two deadly diseases. And she had been unconscious for over a week. They had given her everything that they could, fighting both of those diseases, and nothing was working. And so, you know, without a miracle, she wasn't going to make it. So we prayed and prayed and cried out to God and, um, you know, broke any, any curse that we could think of in Jesus' name. And we just really prayed over her. And didn't see any change and we left and then the next day I was up there again and I passed her bed and her sister called me over and she said can you pray for her again because I saw her getting better when you prayed yesterday and I looked at her and she still looked dead to me like that dead <laughs> yeah she was she had so much swelling on her brain that one of her eyeballs was bulging out like she and totally unconscious and um, so I said sure so I called Eduardo over we prayed and prayed and prayed again didn't see any change and so we left and then the next morning was Tuesday morning so it was in the morning I have my chart in my hand I walked to her room and I heard a voice in Portuguese saying good morning doctor and I look at her and I knew that my my God our God Jesus Christ is the one that touched her body there is no explanation medical explanation for it and I look at heaven to sky, and I look at heaven and say, you did it again, Jesus Christ. You are the doctor of the doctors. Thank you. So this is her uh, at her two-week checkup, walking, talking, nothing wrong with her except her eye stayed like kind of like a lazy eye. But in a case like that, she shouldn't have made it. And if by some amazing chance she made it, there should be something majorly wrong. She shouldn't be walking and talking and totally normal. Next. So this is the story behind the, the x-ray. It's a 24-year-old man, 24-year-old young man, just finished college. His mother is a widow. He's the firstborn. He arrived in a hospital with that fracture. So, and we, I noticed that he was breathing with a lot of problems. He was breathing like this, <sighs> like this. And this is not COVID, okay? <laughs> All right? <laughs> So I didn't know what I was dealing with, so I had to ask help for, with other doctor. And they, he sent me back the diagnosis. He said, this is fat embolism. Fat embolism, it's a problem. When he fractured that bone, the fat that was in that bone came out. He went to the bloodstream and clogged the lungs. So now you have a very serious disease. Time is 
going by, and this young man is dying. So I had to tell the family, you have to pray. Have to pray. You have to ask people to come to pray. And we pray, 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 pray. And he didn't get any better. Time goes by. I felt something in my heart saying, you need to make sure that he knows Jesus Christ. So I went to talk to him. We talk about Jesus, talk about his love. And time goes by, and his oxygen saturation was 87. What was later on was 65, 50, which is really low. And he was breathing like this. <sighs> and then and again, I felt in my heart, you need to make sure he's right with me. So I go in his ears, and I start singing all those old hymns that we know. What a friend I have in Jesus, amazing grace. When it was 2 o'clock in the morning, he died. I was really mad. Mad to me as a doctor because I couldn't do anything. And I saw him, he was like a beautiful flower dying. A new flower dying, shrinking. But God told me something in my heart. I felt, you know, and what I felt was this. What is important? Is his eternal life with me? Or his physical need? So God is so gracious that allowed us to be in that moment and in that hospital to share the love of Jesus, driving him from the, the, this world of darkness to the, his, the, the, his kingdom of light. And that's the biggest miracle that I can see. God does miracles. I do believe sometimes he doesn't. But the problem is, just like the ten people with leprosy, only one came back. I could care less about the miracles. I care really if somebody's totally transformed by God and healed. And this one person came back. And that young man, one day you guys are going to meet, meet him in heaven. Right? Praise God for that. Next. So these are just some other things that we got to be involved in. We'll go quickly through this. But this is a group. You can see all these women in this picture. Um, when Bo and Bella came, also the Schroyers, they got to work with these women. And these women are ladies that have usually very young women, they get married very, very young, and they've tried to deliver a baby in the bush with no medical attention. They've been in labor for days on end, and um, finally, in the end, they deliver a stillborn baby, but it totally destroys their insides. And so they are constantly leaking urine or stool. And so these women are seen as cursed. They're often, their husbands leave, they are kicked out of their villages many times, they are totally rejected. They're like the lepers in the Bible, the unclean. And so the hospital has a program where they can do surgeries for these women for free. It's funded by the U.S. And these women come and they stay in the hospital for some months, sometimes up to years, because sometimes they need anywhere from one to like 15 surgeries. And so um, during the time they're there, we get to tell them about Jesus. We get to disciple them and it's amazing to see the transformation because they come in feeling just dejected and um, completely you know no value to their lives and they leave knowing that there is a God who loves them and they can go back to their village and tell the people in their village I'm not cursed I'm healed and it's because there's a God who loves me and he loves you so yeah and then these are shepherd kids that live behind the hospital, and we also got the chance to feed them and tell them about Jesus. It was something that our kids could be involved in, which was an amazing experience. Next. And then this was just a total miracle. The group, when the um, Bo and Bella came with the group from Minnesota, uh, there happened to be several artists in the group. The main one is here, Anna. And um, we ended up painting. There's back in the village where all these women and these children are, there is a 120-foot-long wall, and 
So we painted the gospel on this wall from Genesis through Revelation, and it all connects to the cross. And so we were, were able to use these images to tell them about Jesus. And there are so many people that have said, I never got it until now. Now I finally understand. And it's been an amazing tool. And at the, the last day when this group was leaving, the ladies, the fistula, the ladies that I talked about earlier, came and stood in front of the last picture where you see Jesus triumphant and the crowd behind him. And they made up their own song and they were singing and dancing. They were singing, because you came and you told us the story, now we understand and we'll be with you in this crowd at the end. So, and the awesome thing was there was an artist, he has an art school in Angola, he came to see this mural and got permission from the city to replicate this mural in downtown Lubango, city of a million people, one of the busiest streets downtown will have this same mural now. So, so we work with uh, Misha Aviation Fellowship, we fly to different villages. Um, Detroit Lakes got a population of 8,000 people. How many doctors we have in town? A lot. You can pick and choose. So we go to places that people haven't seen a doctor or a nurse for the last four years or 10 years. We go to places that are only one doctor for 30,000 people. So God used this just like Jesus did. He went to heal the sick, but always, Jesus was always worried about their spiritual life, their eternal, their eternal salvation. So God is allowing us to do those things in his name. Next. And this is where we are going to move to next. We're going from a city of a million people to a little village of 600 people. But the great thing about this village is that it is surrounded by 50 other villages that have no, no uh, Christian witness at all, no church, no nothing. The only churches in this village where we're moving. Um, and these, so these other 50 villages have a total of 30,000 people that have not heard the gospel since the 1970s. In the 1970s, the war came to this area. The gospel had just started being spread to these villages, and all the missionaries were evacuated. And so um, when the war arrived, they had at that time a hospital, a church, um, and several missionary houses, and the people in charge of the, you know, the people that were attacking um, actually forced the villagers to take apart every, the hospital and all of the mission houses and the church brick, brick by brick. And so what was left is just foundations. As you can see there. Next. This is the clinic. This is Dr. Tim. He's the only doctor in the area for 30,000 people. And every morning before he starts seeing patients, he tells them about Jesus and shares the gospel with them. Next. This is just a little glimpse of what Kavango is like. Um, this is in the corner is a typical house. And on the bottom is the school. The problem with the school is that it's a government school and teachers don't want to go out there. They try to send teachers and the teachers will show up once or twice a month just to keep getting a paycheck. But other than that, there's no school happening. That's our church. This is the church. Up above is the church bathroom. So these people sit with their children sometimes for three hours and four hours and nobody complains. So it's a big lesson to us. Next. So I like to talk about this quickly. I love this picture. Why? I said that the only thing they ate there is what? Corn. So they are in a church. They don't have money. They bring their ties. They bring the food that they eat as ties. Sometimes we complain about things in life. These people, the very thing they need to be survived, they bring and give to the Lord. Like in the Old Testament, the first harvest. And they give to the church, and they 
collect that and they sell it and help a family that's in need in a church. Even that context of poverty, Christianity works. And that's an amazing example for us. So this is leprosy. Um, we have to finish our part, so if we can go to the next one. The next slide. Next. Ah. There's so many things. <laughs> this is witchcraft, but we're, time is short, so... We'll just tell this quick story and then we'll let the Schroyers come up. So our last visit to Kavango when we went, um, we walked over to the clinic with Dr. Tim who's there and we see this lady just running back and forth in front of the clinic and she's saying, my baby, my baby's going to die, my baby. And so we rushed into the clinic and we see the dad holding this baby totally unconscious and we saw his, you can see his little fingernails, they look totally white. So we knew he had malaria and it had gotten to the point where all the blood cells burst and he probably had a two or three hemoglobin. He was about to die. And so this clinic in the middle of nowhere has no blood bank, no lab, no electricity. So Dr. Tim said, well, the crazy thing is I just got this package last week from a friend who visited from Canada and he put together a kit for giving a blood transfusion in the bush and I haven't even opened it, but let's see if we can do this. So this baby was not doing well. We couldn't get any IVs in. We finally got one in his scalp. And um, we, we um, opened the kit and we were able to figure out that he had my blood type. And by that time, I've already given blood a million times. We knew that my blood was fine. So we just gave him my blood right there on the spot. They had to hold him still for four hours straight. And um, as soon as the blood transfusion was done, you can see his little toenails were bright you know, normal colored. By the next day, this picture in the bottom, this is the lady holding him, the, the mom that was screaming outside the clinic. You can see her huge smile. And he was already almost back to normal. He was from that church in that village. And so when we went to church that morning, uh, the pastor got up and they were all cheering and he said, the visitors came and they gave their blood and they saved our baby. But Jesus came and he gave his blood and he can save us for eternity. And so, yeah, that's just, it's amazing to be able to be a part of what God's doing in these ways that transform lives yeah. forever. We're so thankful. We're moving to Kavango, to a very remote area in the bush. But we are so glad. We're uh, Tinkubaki, the doctor there, and us, we're praying for years that God can raise another family that can come and help us. We get so entangled in a clinic and we don't have time to discipleship the people. We talk about Jesus. We pray for patients. But we need people to come and talk about the love of Jesus with these patients in different times. And God answered her prayers. God had called this family, the Schroyers. They have five children. And God gave them the guts to come and enjoy us. And thank you for this opportunity for praying for us. We need the Holy Spirit. We need His protection. We need Jesus Christ. If you can commit in praying for us, it would be fantastic. So thank you for this opportunity. I, I call here the Schroyers. Well, that's a tough act to follow, huh? <laughs> Okay, so some of you know us, some of you don't. I'm Bo, my wife Jackie, Bella, Oakley, Iva, Avery, and Eden. Um, you guys want to go sit down? Okay. We have, uh, 
We've been living in DL, DL area for uh, since 2007 here. We've been married for 15 years. God has blessed us with, sorry, God has blessed us with these five beautiful children. Um, just want to thank, again, Pastor Tim and the rest of the church for inviting us in here today. Um, so as DeSouza's mentioned, we're moving to Kavango, Angola um, this summer, hopefully. And I guess uh, Bella and I were there about a year ago, and we made a little video we want to start with just to show you why we feel we've been called. So, so these children in the video, um, some of them are my kids, of course, and then the other side are the children that Bella and I met and fell in love with and worked with when we were over there in Lubongo. Um, these were the shepherd children that they showed us earlier. Um, so we were up there doing the mural work in the village, and these shepherd kids came into the village, and we... we formed these relationships with them and started uh, to just really love on them. But what really hit my heart was like, these kids are no different than our kids. They're funny, they're beautiful, they love to play, they want to be hugged and held and loved, and they're made in God's image. And it doesn't matter that we are here and they're in Africa. These are, they're absolutely identical to our children. Okay, so start. Did you know that only one out of 50,000 church-attending Christians becomes a long-term long missionary? 
and 90% of American regular church attendees have never shared their faith with an unbeliever. That's nine out of 10 people in America who profess to love and follow Jesus Christ, never spreading the gospel. That's just not acceptable. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words and speech, but in actions and in truth. Okay, so we just wanted to share a little bit of our story. We obviously haven't been to Angola yet, so we don't have the same stories, but um, our backstory is um, shortly after I became a mother, God really gave me like this deep burden for the children, like Jocelyn and Eduardo had showed you, um, living in that extreme poverty. And not only like their physical needs, obviously, I could see and felt sad for, but it was more deep um, that they were going to bed, like not being tucked in. Their moms and dads maybe were um, not with them anymore. Either they had left or had died, and they're alone, children raising children, children not knowing the love that my children feel every day. And I just could not... Um, pretend that that didn't matter to me. That just became a deep, deep burden on my heart. Um, and I remember exactly the moment about like 10 years ago where I got down and I said, God, I don't know what you want to do with me, but I have got to do something. Um, bring the kids to me, send me to the kids. I don't care. I have to do something. I can't pretend like that doesn't matter um, and just keep on living as if it, it's not important. I didn't know what God was going to do with us at that time, but I just kept praying that prayer over the years. Um, and, and so what happened was we just started like diving into all the things we could here. We got super involved in um, Compassion International, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. We hosted a Compassion Sunday. Bella spoke at several churches, urging people to sponsor these kids. Um, we have like a dozen kids we sponsor. We got involved in Operation um, Christmas, the shoebox thing that we did here at this church a couple weeks ago, had packing parties. Um, we did feed the, my starving children, bringing meals to these kids that are hungry. Everything you could think of. We even looked into like foster care and adoption here, but God had closed those doors, so I knew that wasn't what he had wanted. Um, and all those things that I, I listed are so, so good and so important, and we still are a part of them today. I'm not saying that. It's just that I had this, um, like this burning longing in my spirit that it was never enough. All those things are good. I'm raising my kids. I'm homeschooling them. I know what I'm doing is so good and so important, but I wanted more. Like I just kept feeling Jesus is worth more than some of my time and my treasures. I just needed to give him my all and really do something big for God. I prayed and prayed and prayed over the years. What are you doing, God? Why aren't you sending us? It's been 10 years now I've been crying out to you. I'm not like asking you for mansions and boats and vacations. Like, why aren't you leading us to giving our all? And I almost kind of like started arguing with God in my prayer life. Um, and about three years ago, God said to me very clearly, you need to change your prayers. You, I know you want to go. I see you and I hear you, but you need to be praying that your husband has that burning too. And so I was like, okay, yeah, duh. It's not just about me going. God wants everybody to burn and, and feel that same thing. So I started 
praying that. God, give Bo the fire. Go give my kids the fire. Give them the burden that I feel every day. Um, and it was then that everything kind of really started snowballing and changing quickly. Uh, just a minute. Okay. Um, so then what happened was we started talking to pastors throughout um, the area. We reached out to different mission organizations. We kept kind of hearing the same thing along the way, that we weren't good enough. You have too many kids. Um, you don't have a Bible degree. You didn't go to like this special um, missionary denomination type thing. You know, it was always like you never qualified enough. You're too old. You're past that point. Just start raising your kids up. Maybe they'll want to be missionaries. And um, so I just wanted to encourage people that are here or watching online, if you ever hear those lies, like that you're not good enough, um, that's not true. That's the enemy telling you and trying to stop you from your calling because um, that's not true. God says you are worth it. You are worthy. Um, keep fighting for that, for that feeling that God gives you. And what happened, we saw the day Sozas getting sent a couple years ago, and we're friends with them. We've known them for a while, being in the same community. Our kids are all similar ages. And I saw them going, and I said, wait a minute now. We're the same ages. We have as many kids as them, pretty much. Why do they get to go? And we've been told all these years that we couldn't. And so I felt like this fire come back in. Okay, we can go too. Like, it's not too late. We don't have too many kids. And so we really started to push and pursue uh, mission work once seeing them go. So I guess the final straw, um, so it was about a year ago, a little over a year ago in October, and the Vineyard Church in town here, which was the sending church for them and for us, they organized a two-week missions trip over to paint this mural in Lubongo. So I thought, hey, here's a great opportunity for Jackie to take Bella, who's like, Mom, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I don't care, I'm going. She can go, she can see how it is and get this whole missions thing out of her mind, and then we can go on with our lives. <laughs> um, and Jackie, being wiser than me, said, no, I think you should go because it could be dangerous and you need to protect Bella. And of course, as a father, yes, I'm going to do this. So we went, um, and... It was, her plan worked. Um, as you saw in the, in the video, these children, uh, they just, they grabbed my heart and they still have it. My heart is still there. Um, we, <laughs> we didn't want to come home. Bella was actually, I had to drag her kicking and screaming onto the plane. And she's like, Dad, just go home, get Mom and the siblings and come back. We can, let's go. And, and you know, honestly, if I think if Jackie and the other kids weren't here, I probably would have stayed to the dismay of the Angolan government. But um, it, it was just, I mean, it was that, that much of an impact on us, just loving these children and seeing not only their physical needs, but their spiritual needs there that are just so great. And they're so hungry. They're so hungry for Jesus. And we just can't wait to go back and to do this full time. One thing that I learned when I was there, just in, in living and doing life with these people, is like one of my biggest misconceptions was you need to be a doctor, a pilot, a carpenter, you know, some, someone with skills or training. And um, I just saw there 
being there. Like it doesn't matter who you are. If your heart is here, you're good. God will use you where you are to do his work. Um, some of you do know that I like birds, so one of the, uh, I had an interesting, um, uh, the ability to see this, this diversity in Africa when I was there. Um, one of my, my good close times with God is when I'm birding. It's quiet and peaceful and I get to see his creation. So uh, a couple times I was able to actually sneak off into the bush and do some birding, which helped me to be closer to God. Uh, I actually made a little video of one of my birding adventures. If you could cue the birding video. Birding in the bush with all my, all my guides. They're going to show me where all the birds are. So that didn't work out as I planned. I had to be really sneaky and wake up really early. Uh, one of the Souza's kids likes birds too, so we would wake up at bird 30 every morning and go out and investigate the birds before everybody else woke up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 sorry. Um, so then one thing that's just really awesome about God too is how... how we prayed for this. Jackie prayed for it a lot longer than I did, and and we're just really thankful for his gracious heart to like not only give us an answer to our prayers, but to bring us to Angola and to bring us to Kavango, where our kids will already have friends. Our friends are there, so this learning curve is going to be a lot shorter than than it would be for most missionaries. So when mom first said, like, we're going to be missionaries, I didn't really believe it. Just another one of mom's crazy ideas. Um, once it became real, though, I was just along for the ride. I didn't, like, not want to go, but I wasn't excited as, like, some people. Like, Bella especially was really crazy for it. But I didn't want to go to Africa, though, especially in Goal. I don't know why. I just was, like... You can send me, but don't send me to Angola. Um, but then, once he found out we're going to Kavango, then I was just like, okay, I'm excited. That's just where we're going. Then, when the DeSouza's came home on furlough and we got to hang out with them, then I got really excited because now we're going to be neighbors with them and they're our best friends. So, um, when I think about leaving America, it, you know, it's really hard and I feel sad and like, you know, it's going to be really not fun. But then I think about all the kids dying in Angola without ever hearing the name of Jesus and knowing that someone loves them. I just like want to go and I feel like we can't get there fast enough. And so mom has, over the years, has had all these like plans like she was had her set, heart set on like living in a tiny house we went to all these showings to live in a tiny house and she wanted to be like Amish and a pioneer and live off the land and all this stuff have goats and crazy um <laughs> and God is actually answering all of our prayers she wanted to be like a world traveler and have lots of experience going other places and all of her worldly prayers God is using for a kingdom purpose. We're going where it's always warm. We're going to have big family there. And 
it's God uses all of our God, our earthly wants, turns them into His plans and purposes, and. I just think that Jesus gave his life not so that we could just sit there and sit nicely in our homes, but he gave our lives so we could give our lives for him, and he's worth it. Um, okay, so in this last year through the process, we had read a book by David Platt. Um, it's called Something's Gotta Change. It was a super good book. And in it, there's this one line that when I read it, it just like stuck to me like glue. Um, I cried, and then every time I would say that line or hear that line or think about it, I would cry again. Um, it was something like, the only thing that's worse than lost children in the world is lost children that no one is looking for. And I just like, I can't handle that. That's crazy. That's just so sad to me. So that became my prayer in that moment when I heard that. Like, God, send us where there is nothing even going on for these lost children. And God answered that by sending us to the middle of the bush in Kavango, Angola. So they talked a lot about Kavango. Um, a lot of what I was going to say was already in there. Just say that. Our ministry is going to be children's ministry, not working in medicine. So um, in this area with 30,000 people, they said about 70% are children. So we're looking at about 20,000 plus kids that we have to work with who have, who have the same fun personalities and the same heart for Jesus as these children that were in these videos. Um, it's just really cool how God is bringing us to this area where there's an unlimited uh, field of children to work with um, and also the uh, the infrastructure that's gone like we have there's there's nothing in place that they said there's no church no school nothing um, another really cool thing that God has put in my heart is um, I have a bachelor's degree in ecology so I really have a, an appreciation for what he created and there's a huge opportunity there dr. Tim has already asked me several times can you grow anything I think so. I, I garden. I'm not a farmer, but I have an, an education background, and I have a, a desire to grow stuff. And he's like, you get out there, plant food other than corn that's going to give these people nutrition. It's going to keep them healthy so that they're not coming to the clinic with these things that shouldn't be getting them sick. So um, he said, there's 15,000 acres there for me to work with, so I should be able to figure out to grow something, anything <laughs> other than corn. So we just want to thank you guys all again for, for listening here and just um, want you all to know we need you. We need your prayers. We're going into um, some darkness and, and um, I guess when they were talking about the, the physical needs there and, and Jocelyn said, for every one story I can tell you hundreds more of these, these medical cases when we were there, we had the opportunity to go into the clinic with Eduardo, and, and every time we went there, there was people, you know, they looked dead, and, and there was two of them there just in the short time we were there that we were able to lay hands on and pray over, and one the next day was healed by the grace of Jesus, and, and one was a couple days after we left, but Eduardo called me, you're never going to believe what happened, this little girl, it just like to his glory, it was so amazing. So just in that short time we were there to see it happening, I can only imagine the, the multitude of stories they have. 
Uh, yeah, so we believe that we are seven missionaries being sent out, not just Bo and I. I think that God has chosen my children at their age and in this time for a reason. I can't wait to see how God uses my children to reach out to all the children and bring them to us and befriend the kids. Um, so we, it wasn't just Bo and I's decision. Um, we have sat down as a family and asked each kid, like, do you want to do this? Do you feel called? We totally involved them in the entire process. We really feel like this is a team of seven being sent out. Um, so each kid has decided on their own that they, yes, they do want to go. So when we were at our first training months ago um, with SimUSA, one of the other missionary candidates at that time prophesied over us that we were like the five loaves and the two fish that Jesus was going to use, uh, you know, to feed the multitudes. So here we are, five crusty loaves and two fish. I, I thought, and I think Jesus is worth it. I'm Oakley, and I've decided that Jesus is worth it. I'm Bella, and I've counted the cost, and Jesus is worth it. I'm Eden, and I've come to the cost, and I've said that Jesus is worth it. My name is Avery, and Jesus is worth it. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys to stay up here for me, please. So we're going to ask Eduardo and uh, Jocelyn to come on up as well. And we want to pray for them. Um, you know what? Let's just really crowd the front. How about all the kids come up too? Because you're all going, right? You're not leaving any of them here? Why don't you all climb in here, get in a little closer. I'm going to ask us as a congregation to kind of stretch out your hands. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe you're not used to it. But we're just blessing is what we're going to do. So, Father, we just extend blessing. To Bo and to Jackie and to Eduardo and to Jocelyn and to their families, God, to their children. Lord, I pray a hedge of protection around their children, around their families, around their lives. God, I pray that you will use them in mighty ways, ways that they as of yet do not know, have not experienced. God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would lead them and you would guide them and you would give them wisdom. Lord, at times you would give them supernatural wisdom. Father, they'd experience your peace in your life. They would experience a joy that they've not known yet, God, that you would use them in ways they can't even begin to imagine. Lord, your word says that we will go and we will do greater things than you did. And I believe it comes because of the volumes, the numbers, the amount that we're going to see these kids uh, reaching out, touching, training, praying for leading other children to Jesus Christ. God, we just trust you and we believe you for that. We ask you for that life and we ask you for that to happen for these families as they step forward to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's give them a hand. I can ask you to stay.